wondering why I'm sitting down in Ephesians 2.6. I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. And uh, just so as you know, I'm getting stronger every day because that's the way the word is. Romans 8.11 is still true. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens your mortal body. So I want to talk to you today about how that works, how that quickening works, because there's there's actually a few steps that you can take to become a champion in the kingdom of God, right? And uh, one of them, I was thinking about this today. Pastor Paul, you're one of them. You, you're a faithful guy. I should explain this. Last week I said that when my wife comes in the room, I don't get goosebumps. And I got in some serious situation over that. But, Dana, it wasn't what, uh, it wasn't what I meant. I meant when you're first dating, you know, that, the, the thrill, like, the, now see, you got to be careful to go, not to go too far that way either. But what I mean is sometimes, sometimes the, there's no excitement in serving the, king, in the kingdom of God. Sometimes it's just repetition. You go to church on Thursday, you go to church on Sunday, you go to church on Thursday, you go to church on Sunday, and you do it because you're faithful. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And Pastor Paul has been such an example of that to me over the years, you know, that, that he stretches me to be like that. And it's good to be around people that stretch you to be faithful because it's so easy to be casual, especially now after we've been dealing with this thing for a year and a half or whatever. It's very easy to get casual. And yet the Bible clearly states in Hebrews 10, 25, and in many other places, by the way, that you're not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, but even more as the day approaches. Well, some days you don't want to go to church. It's sunny. There's the beach. No, no, there's all these kind of things, but a faithful person, you know, and, and I want to hear that come in, thou good and faithful. I don't want to hear well thought, Gary, good plan, you, you know. <laughs> no, no, but it's, it's a hard thing, but it's an easy thing to say, you know what? I'm just going to do what God requires me to do. And I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it from a religious attitude. I'm doing it because, because it's my reasonable service. I'm sub to submit my body unto him, a reasonable uh, a living sacrifice. It's my reasonable service. And then what is the next part of that? I'm not to be conformed to this world, but transformed by renewing my mind by the word of God, so that I can prove the good, the acceptable, and perfect will. How do I do that? It's, it's kind of like, how does faith work, really? You know, Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Where do I get my faith? I get my faith from 2 Peter chapter 1. Grace and peace are multiplied unto me through the revelation knowledge of God who's called me unto glory and virtue. And then he says something so amazing in verse 4, and we all know it, but do we really know? He said, through these exceeding great and precious promises. Well, you know, a promise is precious or it costs you a quarter. Like, am I really making his promises precious? Or am I just hearing another word in church on a Sunday and then and, and, you know, grade the sermon A, B, or C, or whatever? But, but, but when you make, when you make, the word of God precious. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm just going to go off.
target here a little bit for a minute because I was reading this for myself the other day. And so this has got nothing, this is a freebie. This has got nothing to do with the message, okay? But, but you know, but we, we had been talking to Roy and Lori Berteau about their house burning down. And, you know, I was asking him the other day if he was out riding his motorcycle because that was the only thing that got saved in the fire. No helmet, no gloves, no coat, no. Like you don't think about all of the things that it costs you. But anyway, I remember telling him, just like David, just like his mighty men, just like those 400 that became 600, this day, this, the worst day will become the absolute best day of your life. This pandemic will become the best th thing that ever happened in your life. If you'll do what he did, he wrote a trilogy of Psalms, 111, 112, 113, and he wrote them because he expressed his heart. He said, he said, my children, my seed will be mighty on the earth when they were kidnapped. He said, my house will be filled with riches, right? right? That's what he said when he didn't have a house. Okay, now I want to read to you from Chronicles chapter 29. If you've been reading through the Bible with us this year, I want you to see this poor guy with no house and how he turned out. Uh, 29.4. And by the way, if, you, if you're against prosperity, you should tear this page completely out of your Bible. You you know, if you want to be poor, poor in spirit is one thing, but poor poverty, he said he came to preach the gospel to the poor. He came to heal the broken heart. He said, I want to bring you up out of that mess because poverty, poverty isn't, isn't prosperity, is it? Come on. Anyway, okay, let me read this verse. I'm reading from verse 3. Moreover, 1 Chronicles 29, 3, Moreover, because of my delight in the house of my God, I now give of my personal treasures of gold and silver for the house of God, God over and above all that I've provided for the holy house. Listen to this, 100 tons of gold, 250 tons of silver and, re and refined silver for the walls and the buildings. I mean, then, then if you drop down to verse 7, we won't read all through this. Drop down to verse 7. Remember the, remember, the, remember the people that came to him in Samuel chapter 22? They were in distress. They were discontented. They were the 3D people, disgusted and all busted and all that. Look at what they did here in verse 7. For the service of God's house, they gave 185 tons of gold, 10,000 gold coins, 375 tons of silver and 675 tons of bronze and 4,000 tons of iron. Now these people, discontented, distressed, and in debt, go to Psalm 34, find out how they started to do it. They started to magnify the Lord instead of their situation. When you magnify the Lord instead of your situation, you won't get sympathy but you'll make progress. When you magnify your situation, people might feel sorry for you, but you don't want that, right? So, so these precious promises, let's take a look over in Psalm uh, 119. Because one, the, the same spirit, again, Romans 8, 11, that raised Christ from the dead, the most power that was ever released in the universe was to raise the Lord. Why? Because you were crucified with him. It was raised enough 
the body of Christ when all hell was trying. It wasn't just rigor mortis that they were overcoming there. You know that, right? He was, he was raising you up. And, and uh, what prompted this was a couple of years ago, I heard a, a preacher talk about a book that tells you how to do everything, like you, how to build a nuclear bomb, for example. No, you can't build one at home with stuff in your cupboard, but, but there are, you know, there's a formula that you use. And uh, just yesterday or the day before, Naphtali Bennett, the new leader of Israel, right? He's, he's the new leader, but he was under ben Netanyahu as the military guy. So he's a cool guy, right? He's, you know what they did to Hamas, right? In, in Gaza, they went in and blew up all their tunnels and just totally... For those of you that aren't for Israel, you're not for God. <laughs> Because God is for Israel. He didn't change his mind. <clears throat> but anyway, but anyway, uh, Naphtali or Naphtali, the other day he sent in some drones. He didn't admit to it, but sent in some drones and, and blew up a nuclear reactor in Iran. No, no, no. Just like in 1981, in 1981, the, the Hebrew, I forget what, I think it was uh, Menachem Begin. He was the leader. They... Uh, uh, not Gaddafi, uh, the guy from Iraq. Hmm? No, no, he's from Libya. No, somebody help me. The leader of Iraq back in the 80s. Anyway, anyway, so he, he, he's the guy that had the, the big, uh, the, he, several mansions, and one of them, uh, you could see the fish swimming underneath. He had he had it built on top of an aquarium. You know that guy. Anyway, hallelujah! I have the mind of Christ. Um, so anyway, back in 1981, he was he had a nuclear reactor built, and he was just getting ready to enrich uranium 235. And uranium 235, once it becomes enriched, you could have a, a, something this big, the size of a baseball or smaller, nuclear power and power an, uh, an aircraft carrier or a submarine, a nuclear submarine, for 25 years. That much power, right? That much. And you can enrich it in a picosecond. In case anybody wants to know what a picosecond is, I think it's one thousandth of a second. I think it's kind of like over in Corinthians 15, 52, where he said, talking about the rapture of the church, that you'd be gone in the twinkling of an eye, and it's the word there, at atomos. In other words, it's such a, when the rapture of the church happens, it happens so quick that you can't even be measured. Anyway, in 1981, Saddam Hussein was getting ready to enrich this uranium. And, and Israel, because they've been persecuted by the whole world forever, you know, they, 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 would, they, they could buy planes from the States, but they could only buy F-14s or F-15s. I don't know the difference. But the deal was their planes would only take them as far as their border and back again. So they couldn't really use them in aggression. And um, they wanted to buy some planes because they knew this nuclear bomb was being built. And, but America wouldn't sell them to them. America had made 10 planes of these the F-15s, I think, for, uh, there's a good book on it, by the way, too, if you want to read it. Um, but he, they, they built these planes for Iran, Iran. But Iran, then they got in a hostile uh, 
deal with the states, and so Iran wouldn't couldn't buy the planes. Of course, American, you know, American, uh, American industrialism. How about that? They decided, okay, if we can't sell them, we'll sell them, sell them to Israel. We'll just we'll just govern them a little bit. So so then Israel got these ten planes. All right, we got them, but they don't have enough fuel to make it to Iraq. Baghdad. So what are we going to do? They made, like, like your oil tanks at home with the furnace oil, they made extra tanks and fastened them to the wings of these planes. And then all 10 of them went in across the desert under the radar, flew up to that nuclear site, and all 10 of them blasted that thing. Not one missed its target. And then they simply dropped the tanks and came back to Israel. So then Ronald Reagan was the president at the time. They called him and they said, you know, told him what Israel had done. I love his response. Boys will be boys. <laughs> because, because Israel had favor with him. Had favor with Donald Trump, too. It probably doesn't have so much favor going on there right now. And people talk about Donald Trump and this or that, the other thing. The thing that he was put in there for, and you already know it, was to move the the embassy to Jerusalem, to acknowledge Jerusalem as the capital, and it'll never be anything else but that from this point on. And so he served his purpose in the Lord. I don't know if he has any further or not, but we'll wait to see that. In the meantime, I was thinking about Rick Joyner's prophecy. Rick Joyner said, he, he, he didn't know about the pandemic when he prophesied this, but he said there'll be two big reductions in the church before the church really takes off in growth. And so I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it because um, because of this one word right here in Psalm 119 and verse 162. Although I did want to throw this verse into Pastor Paul's great message on Thursday night. I just wanted to jump up and say it. <laughs> over, in, over in the same chapter, Psalms 119, in verse 112, he says, I've inclined my heart. I've inclined my heart to keep your word always till the end. And Paul, what Pastor Paul was talking about, leaning back in the things. Of this. Right, brother? Yeah. It's a good word. Anyway, over, over in verse 162, let me read it in another translation. For a medical update, by the way, they've tested me with every kind of test. My doctor called me the other day. He said they have spent so much money on you. I mean, you know, cat skins, dog skins, other kind of stuff, nuclear medicine. <laughs> I'm explosive right now. But the thing is, here's the thing I just want you to know, and, and if you'll do what I'm telling you today, whatever you're dealing with will work out too. Okay, whatever you're dealing with, you just have to walk it out. And um, faith is not pretty. Faith sometimes gets ugly, but yeah. And everybody else can tell you what they think you should be doing for it. <laughs> That's funny. Hallelujah. Now, where did I say go? I didn't say. Okay, yeah. Psalm. Psalm 119. Memorize it. That's your project for this week. Of course. 
176 verses. No problem. 162. I like the way it's written here. Because this is what he says. This, he said, I rejoice over your promise like one who finds vast treasure. So what's he saying? He's, you saw what he gave into the kingdom of God. That didn't have him. When he found the word, when he got a hold of the word, he made it priceless. He said, I'm not gonna, I'll spend a million bucks on this deal. I'm not going to give a quarter or 50 cents. And here's where people miss it because you serve God with a casual heart. I'm telling you, the word of God, the word of God is the only, the word and the spirit. He said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus came in spirit and in truth, in grace and truth. You need both working in your life in order to succeed. And it's not up to somebody else. It's like, how am I really making... Am I making this message today treasure, important to me, or am I thinking about where I'm going to go after service and taking on something else? Am I really going to, am I, am I going to go for it or not? So is it a million dollar message or a quarter, 50 cents? And the, deci the decision is mine. So with that in mind, let's go to Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. Yeah, who? No, it's like I'd rather be in church than at the beach when you know your flesh wants to go to the beach, right? I'd rather be in the will of God. No, no, because I want him to be faithful to me. I want him to show up at my house right now. I'm in Corinthians, Thessalonians. That's the thing about sitting here. You get kind of casual. You know, Thessalonians chapter 2. First, yeah. Verse 13. See, because I, I'm the receiver. I, I, how I receive the word is what's important. And the word is going forth always, just like there's AM and FM and, and Sirius and all those channels going through here right now. When I tune in, I can dial in what I want. I need to dial in the word of God. I don't know about you, but I need to dial in the word of God because I've got life. It's kind of like... And then, and th here's another thing, Pastor Paul, I'm going to brag on you a little bit today. Is that okay? You know, a pilot, before he goes in a plane, he has a, has a checklist. And he goes around and he writes everything down. And so if you ask him why he writes it down, he'll tell you, you're not going to commit your life to something that you commit to memory only. And, and so Pastor Paul had been listening to this voice for 28 or 29 years. And he's still taking notes. Anyway, don't touch him. You touch the apple of my eye. Okay. Verse 13 of chapter 2. For this cause also, thank we God without ceasing, because when we received the word of God, we didn't receive it from a man. We didn't hear it from you, Paul, but we received the truth of the word of God which effectively works in us because we believe. In other words, it produces exactly what it promises if I receive it appropriately. If I receive this word appropriately, it will, it will accomplish exactly what the promise is. Why? Because God said it. He's not a man that he should lie. 
If he said it, he'll back it up. He'll back it up when I stand on it with him. Amen? Yeah. So, um, well, Romans 1. And, and here's the other thing. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in this gospel. Romans 1.16, he said, the gospel, the, this good news, the, the power that caused the event is the same power in this book. It caused that one event that raised Christ from the dead in all the church, but that same power is in the word of the event, the testimony of the event. He said the gospel, the good news, is the power of God unto salvation, unto everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For herein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by this book. I need to know what this book says about me, and then I need to say what this book says about me and nothing else. I can't be telling you my problems. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Yeah. How about James 1.21? Brother James, they wrote a book about you by the hair. Yeah, that's a good one too, but I got something over here, I think, too, under notes. That's not it. Yeah, yeah, 1 and verse 21. James 1 and verse 21. Read it. i read it out of the King James first because it's just so funny. To me, it's funny. You might not find it funny, but I love that King James English. Verse 21. Whereby, whereby, wherefore, rather, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. You don't find that amusing. Okay, I do. I'm thinking, I hope I'm not superfluity today, God. Naughtiness. Receive with meekness. Receive with meekness. That means I, I'm not going to act haughty like I heard it all before and I know it all. Oh, yeah, I, I already knew that. No, if you knew it, you'd live it. And you'd be glad to hear it again. Receive with meekness the, the, engrafted, the engrafted word that you'll be able to save your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions are in your hands. Your spirit man is saved, but what are you going to do with your soul? So another translation says this. So this is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. For the word of life has power to continually deliver us. Word of God has had power to continually deliver you. I'm telling you, the devil can't kill anybody. I'm telling you right now. He just don't give up. He just keep fighting. So with that in mind, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6 because um, this is the thing that Brother Kenneth E. Hagin, if you don't know Kenneth E. Hagin, you need to find out who he was and find out he's one of the most powerful people that ever walked on the planet and had some encounters with God like none other that I know of. Anyway, he said, he, he identified the problem in the church in Corinthians chapter 3, in verse 6, he's, where Paul the Apostle said, I have planted, and Apollo says watered. And so Paul was preaching one message, and Apollos was preaching the same message. But there was a watering process. And so the first time you hear it, hopefully it'll get planted. And then after that, every time you hear it, 
It should be water. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my seed watered. And like I said before, you know, I've got a guy next door to me down the middle, musket of it, uh, that, that grows marijuana. And he put up a fence. <laughs> Hope you're watching. <laughs> no, 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 no. He put up a fence about a year ago. He said to keep, to keep the um, coyotes away from his, his goats. Well, first thing is I've never seen a coyote there. And the second thing, he's been there, I've been there a year and three quarters, and I've seen goats twice. So, but, but, but a neighbor down the other side, a gossiper down the other side, said, no, no, he put that fence up because he didn't want a pastor wandering into his, into his marijuana plantation. <laughs> so I thought, well, he's got marijuana over there, and i got a garden that James and Heather planted over here. But the soil will grow whatever you put into it. And so your heart is the soil. He took the Garden of Eden from out there and put it in here and put the sword of the, the angel to garden the garden. It's the tongue in your mouth. Your word is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. He put that garden that was out there, that physical garden, and put the man out. But then he put the garden in the man's heart and then gave him the sword of the spirit to protect the garden so that you could, so that you could protect your life. You guard your life, and then whatever you plant, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. And so, what I plant in my out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So I need to make sure that the good things in my heart are coming out my mouth. If I'm still complaining and and doing things, I'm sowing bad seed. But again, if I don't like my harvest in life, I need to make back up and what am I planting here? What, what am I really doing? What are the words of my mouth? You know, he said, whosoever will say to this mountain, this circumstance, be thou removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe the things he saith will come to pass. That man will have whatsoever he saith. He talked about saying things three times and believing once. So what am I? Guard your heart with all diligence out of it flow, the issues, the boundaries of your life. So he said, one plants and another waters. And then, but and neither either plants means anything or either waters means anything, but God brings the increase. So, but again, I take that as it doesn't matter who's preaching it either. If the word of God is coming forth, it's water in my seed, water in my seed. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But again, it's like repetition. We know this. Repetition is the motor of learning, right? That's how, that's how we grow. That's how we go. Hallelujah. One more set of verses. Can you take one more set? Okay. This is, this is where we hit the gold over here. Mark chapter 5. Verse 25, there was a woman with an issue. How many of you all had issues? I can tell by looking at you, some of you got issues right now. <laughs> there was a woman with an issue, and she had it a long time. Twelve years. Had an issue for twelve years. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can imagine. I met people who had issues for 20, 30 years, so it's not a shock to me. <laughs> a certain woman, she's a particular woman, had an issue of blood twelve years, and she suffered. Surely she suffered many things from many physicians spent all that she had and couldn't buy her health. Matter of fact, she got worse. 
But then the Bible says that when she had, when she had heard of Jesus, so you got to hear the word. Somebody's got to bring the word of God to you. Hallelujah. You got to hear the word. So she heard the word. She heard about Jesus and came in the press behind and touched his garment and said, if I can touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away, the issue of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was whole. So it sounds like it was uh, an instant thing, doesn't it? But when, it, when the Bible says, but there's four things that, again, Kenneth E. Hagin said that if you do these four things, it'll work for whatever area of your life you want it to work in. So, so listen to this part. Listen to what you're supposed to do. The first thing that she did wasn't that she, it wasn't that she believed. The first thing that she did was she said, and that word said is the word Lego. Come on, Lego. It's where you get Lego building blocks. It's where you get a system that you build one thing upon another thing upon another thing. So when it says that she said, she said this continuously. I told you about Fred Price uh, uh, last week or the week before about that thing that he had on, that growth that he had on his on his body for 18 months and spoke to it every single day until it fell off in the shower. You all would like to run to the doctor right now and get some fix and take some medicine and take it three or four times a day. If you'll do this, if you'll do what this woman did, basically if you'll do what this woman did, you'll get what she got. She heard the word and then she began to say, how many of you know she probably didn't see, see because faith doesn't come by by knowledge, faith comes by revelation knowledge. When you get a revelation of something, it changes everything. That way, you know, people can try to talk you out of whatever you're believing in. You know, even when you read about Abraham in Romans chapter 4, it says he called those things that be not as though they were. And then, then it says that he was strong in faith. No, what it said in the Greek was he became strong in faith, not wavering, because he became fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. You, you, got to, you, you can't try this. This has got to be your, you know, come on, the just shall live by faith. And you can't listen to the negative things around you either. Hallelujah. You know, people want to argue with you. But, you know, Proverbs 13.10 says, only by pride comes contention. People, like last week, somebody said to me something Oh, you better be careful. I said, what's on the way out of here? I tell them, I'm getting stronger every day. And they say, oh, you better. The natural man says, oh, you better watch it, brother. You better be careful, man. You don't want to. I, I, and I appreciate it. I love them. I, I understand that the natural man doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. It's foolish for some. For somebody to sit here and say, I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ. Well, I saw you. you. You're not walking all that well. Well, let me tell you this. I'm walking better than I was last week. And watch out next week. I'm loving to kick you in the butt. Yeah. So number one, she said it continuously. And then after she said it continuously, she got to the place where she acted on it. And again, you know, we read the story, but she was sick for 12 years with an issue of blood. Her issue was blood. 
And a woman with an issue of blood was not allowed out in public. Had to, had to walk on the other side of the street and yell, unclean, unclean. Couldn't come into a crowd. And, and, and then, of course, she comes into the crowd, and it was a huge crowd. It was so huge that the disciples asked another dumb question. The disciples were as dumb as stumps. No, no. Jesus said, who touched me? They said, oh, Lord, don't you even realize who touched you, all these people around you, and you want to know who touched you? They didn't have a spiritual clue what was really going on. He said, no, no, I felt the power of God go out of me. She plugged into that power. But she had dealt with it for a long time, and then finally she, she said, I'm going to risk it all. I'm going to go out in that crowd. And then she had to touch the hem of his prayer shawl. That's on the ground. That's down near the bottom, not the top of where he is, right? So she had she probably got stepped on and 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 you know risked her life because Jesus is walking with Jairus. Jairus is the leader of the synagogue, and he's got the right to get her stoned for being out in public with an issue of blood. He was the authoritative guy there, and she risked all of that because faith will risk everything. Faith says, "I got a hold of the Word of God." And it's, and it's a, an exceeding great and precious promise. And I realized when I was reading through the gospel of Peter that Peter, God told Peter, Peter, the trial of your faith is more precious than any amount of money you've got. If you're going through a lot of trials and troubles, be rejoicing because the, the inher- your inheritance in heaven is the test and the trials that you're going through right now. He's not going to say, oh, thank you for saving me some money on that building project, Pastor. Or thank you for that. No, how'd your faith do? When, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? Yeah. That's what he's after. He's after your faith. And faith doesn't come without trouble. Faith doesn't grow on its own. So suck it up, buttercup. Right? You're getting stronger. You're getting stronger all the time. Your enemy is failing miserably. If he wasn't failing miserably, he wouldn't be harassing you so much. He's been harassing my wife the last couple of weeks. It's been amazing. I'm sitting there watching it and I'm thinking, hmm, not me. <laughs> She's tough. <laughs> He's a mouse with a microphone, everybody. I'm going to do this and blah, blah, blah. Ah, shut up. If you'd have done anything, you'd have done it long ago. If he could have killed us, he'd have killed us all this morning before we got here. Anyway, so the third thing that she did was receive from God. And the fourth thing, of course, was she felt it. She didn't wait till she felt it to act on it. She didn't wait, oh, I feel better now. No, that's not when you're acting. You're acting on it now. When, when it, you don't feel it at all, you're acting on it now. Anne's got a, a walker over there coming in on a walker, but she didn't stay home saying, oh, I better, it, it, it rained nine drops. I better not go to church. Faithful. Rick and Ann Wood are the most faithful people I've ever seen. You know, it's an honor. It's just an honor that I'll live on their street when I get to heaven. It's just, that's what that is to me. To be around faithful people in a flaky world is the most amazing thing that I have. Hallelujah. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. 
For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.